0: All right, so we're still in a pretty general uh, discussion about parenting. We're not focusing on any, like, fine-tuned particular subject or uh, a particular age group uh, in parenting. Uh, Our focus is certainly more broad and more conceptual. Uh, Parenting is very different from ages, you know, day one to uh, ages Two and then to two to whatever, and so forth. And uh, so, we're not really doing all of that. We're just taking a broad look at the objective of parenting and all of that. And uh, as I've already said, my particular experience is limited to uh, one day old to 14 years old. And uh, so, while I can talk about the scriptures, look at them, exegete them, uh, my experience is still very limited at this time. So, yeah. We began by talking about the challenges that our children face. If you have children, if you've had children, uh, you know that the same struggles and challenges that you face, they face. uh, They're made of sin like you are. Uh, They have a world out there that influences them, that has an impact on them, our culture, uh, Hollywood, and all those other things. And um, yeah, and then also we have our adversary, the devil who goes about looking for who he might devour. Our children definitely are among them. Uh, We've talked about the necessity of family worship and the necessity of, uh, you know, depending on whatever term you want to use, they all essentially mean the same thing. So if it's catechizing or indoctrinating, I think indoctrination has become a negative uh, term, hasn't it, for the most part? But in the military, if you go into ranger school, you have to go through the ranger indoctrination program. You have to be taught what it is to be a ranger, philosophy and so forth. And, uh, so, and then for those that come from a liturgical background, uh, catechizing our children is a bad word. So maybe we should just say discipleship. How's that? We want them to understand the scripture so they might know who God is and what he's like. And we study the Scripture so we might learn what the will of God is for us and for our children. So, yeah. And then we went to Ephesians chapter six, verse four. We started exploring uh, Paul's instruction there. Uh, We began with the concept of uh, not provoking our children to wrath, and then uh, we went to bringing our children up, which essentially means to bring them to a place of Christian maturity, to bring them up as, as Christian adults. And uh, so we went back to the beginning in Genesis where God uh, did everything the way he wanted it uh, in a world without sin, a world without problems. And it's there that he instituted his design and his intent, uh, we might say um, his program for man. And uh, we observe that God's desire is that we, uh, being created in his image, we live consistent with his image, image bearers that represent God in the world, you know, reflecting His character, His dignity. Um, he made us in His image to be uh, hard workers, to be godly spouses, and to be godly parents. And so in order to, you know, reproduce His original will, um, our children ought to be raised to be godly spouses, godly parents, and godly hard workers. Amen. Who doesn't want their kid to be godly in one of those contexts? It's just silly to think about. So that's what it is to bring our children up. Uh, Today we'll talk about the last three concepts in Ephesians 6.4. So this is Ephesians 6.4b, we might say. That's regarding training. And Paul uses a very specialized term in the original language for training. Uh, Not so much for admonition, but it's still important. And then what it means for this to be uh, all of this to be of the Lord. So let's read the text again. Paul says, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So Paul uses two terms here: training and admonition. Now, training is the Greek word paideia. Paideia, it means to, to discipline, to educate. It means instruction, and then the word admonition, uh, nothaseia. It means warning, correction, rebuke, and counsel. You ever notice that your young people need counsel, and they love counsel, don't they? (laughs) (laughs) The proverbs are full of, my son, don't don't reject my counsel. Listen to my counsel. Open your ears, search it out. And it's just this constant uh, pleading with the son to listen. And uh, because kids don't always like to listen. And then these two terms are controlled or ought to be controlled by the concept of the phrase of the Lord. Training, admonition of the Lord. That that is our training uh, must direct our children to the things of God And when we admonish them, we must be redirecting them back to the things of God, okay? So our training, our admonition is not of the world. Uh, It's not of our own opinion. They're not our children, okay? Uh, So it's not of our own discretion necessarily. Uh, It's not of our parents, even if they did it right. Our training, our admonition must always be of the Lord according to his word which alone meets his approval. So when our, our, our child-rearing, uh, our family discipleship is of the Lord, it honors the fact that all life, the life of our children, uh, belongs to Jesus. And therefore, their life should be ordered according to his revealed will, which is the word of God. So let's, let's talk about paideia a little bit here. Um, The Greek, and I want to, that's in bold in my notes, the Greek concept, when you study uh, ancient Greek history, uh, Greeks loved being Greek. Um, I'm not sure the movie is completely appropriate, but uh, my big fat Greek wedding, Greek, everything was to be Greek was to be superior, to be Greek was everything, to maintain your Greek identity was essential in all things, to be Greek. And so the, the Greek concept behind the word paideia uh, has everything to do, uh, this, this, this necessity of bringing the child to adulthood as a Greek. It's not just patriotic as a Greek. It's what is culturally Greek. Uh, Greek identity, Greek morality, uh, everything Greek um, Education, indoctrination. So make your children Greek through paideia. But as for us, as God's people, our training should consist of everything necessary to bring our child to adulthood as Christian. As Christian. Including all of their education and spiritual indoctrination. Christian through and through. That's our goal. When Paul rips that word out of Greek culture and he crams it into what it is to be Christian in all things. Okay? And this sort of training prepares the child for life that is well-pleasing to God when all of his upbringing is Christian. Okay? But not just for what I think... Um, and you know, oftentimes we can say in the West, but it's not always just true in the West. But this concept of... You know, there's this difference between uh, my religious life and life itself. I have this partition between them, I have a distinction. And uh, that can't be the case. All of our child's learning, their activities, their relationships, they're sacred. They're sacred. Okay? Whether it's math. Now, the math itself is not sacred. But the Christian child's learning of math is sacred, of science, of literature. Uh, They're chores. They're chores. They're leisure activities. Uh, for the Christian, there's just, there, there really is no secular and sacred when it comes to the things that we apply ourselves to, the things that we're involved in. It's, it's sacred. Uh, A.W. Tozer talks about the sanctity of living and this idea that we'll pastor your role in the church is sacred, but I'm just a plumber. That is a non-Christian worldview of plumbing, as a Christian. Okay, it's not a secular uh, job, as we say. We say, well, that's secular this, it's secular that. For us, it's not. As soon as we put our hands to it, it ceases to be secular, and plumbing becomes sacred. And that's, that's a stretch for me to say that plumbing could be sacred, okay? But that's what it is, okay? There's no religious life and secular life for us. We don't turn our spiritual life on for certain activities on a certain day and then switch over to secular life after we've done with the spiritual. All life belongs to God and all of it should be lived for His good pleasure. And so, of course, this should be modeled. It should be taught to our children in the most practical way. So whatever we do... Our children should never see a division in life. They should never see, well, that's the secular, this is the sacred. They should grow up with the understanding that their life and everything they do belongs to the Lord. That's paideia. That's paideia. Paul says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's Colossians 3.17. Now, in the name of means that which is consistent with the character and virtue of whoever is named. So for the Greeks, they raised their children consistent with what it was to be Greek. They, they did paideia in the name of Greek. Okay, For us, our child training should strive to be consistent with what it is to be like Jesus in absolutely every setting. So our children's work ethic in school and in chores. Uh, It's so fun to get your kids to accept the reality that doing chores is sacred. But it is. Their conversations. This is so important. Their conversations with parents it should be sacred. Their conversation with friends and strangers all their activities and every relationship that they have it should be in keeping with what is Christian. Nothing should go ungoverned by God and his word because life belongs to him. That, is, that would be paideia in a Christian context. Okay. Paideia. Now, in paideia, there may be the concept of corporal discipline uh, by way of uh, swatting or spanking. Okay. Uh, some insist that it's There. Uh, but it's certainly not what paideia means in itself, okay? Uh, We would certainly be doing our child a disservice without uh, some form of corporal discipline uh, for certain circumstances and infractions, but I'm not confident that uh, paideia uh, includes all of that. It's probably something that's taken for granted, okay? Uh, But I don't think it states that emphatically, Um, the the teaching of corporal discipline, and we're not going to get into all the details of this tonight, but it is mentioned elsewhere in the Scriptures, especially in the Proverbs of Solomon. So I want to read some of those to you. Um, There's basically four passages. Let me give those to you. It's Proverbs 13.24. This is probably... One of the most uh, common ones, but also most misquoted. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Proverbs 13, 24. That is, he who does not apply the rod for corporal discipline hates his child. That's what the text says. But people often say, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's right. That's not what the passage says, and it's certainly not what it means. The text is saying that if you fail to apply the rod properly and promptly, you hate your child. That's what it's saying, because you're not doing what is necessary to curve his rebellion and his disobedience. Here's another passage, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Okay. Proverbs 22:15 again Proverbs 23:13 through 14 do not withhold correction from a child for if you beat him with a rod he will not die you shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell Proverbs 23:13 through 14 now just a little bit of hyperbolic language there okay uh, it's trying to get your attention to wake you up all right we don't want to beat our children I guess it all depends on how you define that term, huh? And lastly, Proverbs 29.15, The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 29.15. So that's the child that runs free and uh, doesn't receive the correction that it needs. And mom is stressed out. Mom is uh, on the edge. She has no peace when her child and her are in public. And uh, she's embar- the child is embarrassing. He's out of control. And uh, as Charles Spurgeon would say, uh, if you've got a pile of lumber in the back, uh, make good use of that timber. So, yeah. So swatting, spanking, certainly biblical. Uh, they should, it should always be applied in the right way and for the right reason. Right way, right reason. And uh, so simply stated, children of appropriate age should endure the rod for correction in varying degrees. Uh, now we, in our home, we have uh, reasons that we believe are consistent with the scriptures for when we apply the rod. Uh, we don't use a, a, a rod. Uh, we use something that doesn't injure the child, uh, but is uncomfortable to the child. Uh, we... We only spank when the children are rebellious, when they hurt someone, when they lie, and especially when they're disrespectful to mom. Okay? The children aren't usually disrespectful to me because I'm not their mother. Okay? And, uh, and so mom needs me in the house. So My mom needed a man in the house. I, I should have been beaten um, a few times. She's ignoring me. Uh-huh. But there's also something else when you, when you study, uh, you know, biblical training and discipline. Uh, no matter if it comes in a rebuke, if it comes in corporal discipline or whatever. Um, the child should never be disciplined for the purpose of penal retribution or just sheer punishment. Okay. It should never happen. Uh, child training in scripture is always educative discipline. Educative discipline. It's meant to improve character. It's meant to redirect. Okay, um, It's not simply the administration of a consequence for wrongdoing. Uh, the corporal discipline especially has to be motivated by love. It has to be applied lovingly in order to change behavior. Okay? Uh, it should never be applied in anger as a way to get back at the child. Okay? I see parents do this All the time, okay? All the time. The child uh, is behaving badly, and uh, parents, because they're not disciplining consistently and promptly, uh, they let the child misbehave and misbehave and misbehave, and as they do that, what happens to the parent? They get more frustrated and angry and, and angry and angry, and then finally they explode, and they discipline out of that anger when what they should have done is the very first time the child misbehaved, they should have implemented some type of training, some type of discipline. Uh, and so the truth is, if you discipline your kids promptly, as the Proverbs say, uh, you won't get angry, but you can discipline, you can spank uh, without being angry, without yelling, without screaming. And, um, and it goes so much better for everybody. And um, so... I think that anything else is just is a bad thing. I think it pushes the child their heart further and further away. Uh, of course, spanking should never be enjoyable, amen. But if they're done, if it's done correctly, or not, if it's not done correctly, rather, it uh, it will push the child away. Okay. Now, as I said, I'm not. I don't want to go too deep into all of this, but when I disciplined correctly at the right time, for the right reason, the right way, uh, it usually ends with hugs, and it's my child clinging to me, okay, uh, endearing themselves to me, and there's repentance, there's reconciliation, and there's immediate restoration, uh, and discipline in our house never goes on, okay, we, we, we go to the bedroom, we take care of it, we come out, and we wipe tears off, there's smiles again, there's reconciliation, there's apologies, and, uh, and most of the time, it's like it never happened, except the behavior is now in line with what we believe is respectful and godly and things like that. So, yeah. Now, I guess there is a disclaimer in all this, is that there's no guarantee uh, that a child will accept even the best of discipline. Okay? Solomon and the author of Hebrews had to remind us not to despise The Lord's discipline, and His discipline is perfect, okay? But there's never an excuse on our part to behave ungodly when we use any kind of discipline, okay? The child should always be disciplined for their sake, not for ours, because we're angry, we're frustrated, or whatever. So let's move on. Nothesia, admonition, has more to do with uh, verbal instruction, To counsel, to provide a warning, or to redirect. And when we look at it in the New Testament, uh, that's exactly how it's used. It's correction, redirection, it's warning, uh, usually warning about danger, okay? Whether it's danger about false teachers, Acts chapter 20, uh, whether it's warning about God's discipline of his people in the past, as we see in 1 Corinthians, Uh, Paul admonishes the Corinthians about, hey, your rebellion is looking a whole lot like Israel's in the wilderness. And if God disciplined them in the wilderness, guess what he'll do to you? So he says, I'm warning you. Okay? A pastor's job is to teach every man, and he says, and to warn every man. So that he might present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So warning, warning. All of which our children need. Uh, children have to be warned about so many things. Because, as we've said, they've come into this world. uh, They're not just sinners by nature, but their brain is blank, especially boys. (laughs) Goodness, okay? And so they're learning the world around them. They need to be warned and counseled about things that are a danger to them physically and emotionally, morally, spiritually, uh, relationally. I mean, uh, had to really get involved with your child Relationally, when they were teenagers, because things are happening to them, okay, and they need you. Ethically, I needed to be counseled legally when I was a teenager. And then when they fail in one of these regards, we must rebuke, we must redirect through godly counsel. Um, yeah, regular part of parenting. You know, Isaiah said, All we like sheep have gone astray. And our children are little sheep, and they go astray, okay? And our little, little ones go astray every day, all day long, okay? And hopefully, with godly parenting, uh, that going astray uh, does this, amen? Okay, and if you've done your due diligence, di- not diligence, but diligence, have you noticed that the discipline uh, is less and less as the child grows older, Okay? Definitely when it comes to spanking. Spanking should certainly do this <laughs> less and less. And uh, yeah, they go astray. And what's important to add to, I believe, the context of admonition is this, this g- graciousness. Graciousness. Um, because the way that you respond to a child's uh, foolishness, to their disobedience or rebellion, can oftentimes determine the response you get from them. Okay? Proverbs 16, 21 and 23 says this, Sweetness of lips increases learning. Sweetness of lips increases Learning. I've learned this especially with my oldest son as he's getting older and he's, you know, his voice is getting deep and his, he's establishing his, um, you know, boys are always wrestling for power. You know, they're becoming a man and uh, the, the transfer of authority is, is, is more imminent every day. And um, when I speak to Isaac as a young man, he respects that so much more and he's far more responsive. I can't talk to him like a child anymore. You know what I'm saying? He's not here, so I can talk about him a little bit. But, uh, but when I come to him with this kindness, with this respectfulness, especially to him as the firstborn boy, uh, he responds so much better. Sweetness of lips increases learning. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. Yeah, it's good stuff. Paul said, brethren, if a man, now the man word there is pretty generic, so I would say even a child, is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. I think that's super important in, in parenting, is considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Because... You're tempted when your child tempts you. <laughs> and uh, in your flesh, you're like, what's well, go time now. You're mine. And instead of having the child's character in mind, you have retribution in mind. Okay. Yeah. So sweetness of lips and gentleness for learning and restoration. You know, a parent who is harsh, they may secure their child's temporary obedience, but they will eventually... Lose the child's heart and their long-term obedience. Okay, it's just a matter of time. But if heart training is always at the heart of our parenting, we're likely to get good results. Okay, good results. Solomon said, as I mentioned earlier, he says, "My son, give me your heart." Proverbs twenty-three, twenty-six. Son, give me your heart. Well, boys just don't give their heart away, do they? The dad has to work for it. He has to work for it. I believe that the greatest thing a parent can do is to win their child's heart, whether it's a boy or whether it's a girl. Strive to win their heart. Because if the parent has the child's heart, the parent can lead that heart where it should go. Okay? They can. When the parents say, my son, my daughter, if the heart is won, they're much more apt to listen. Okay? Respect your counsel. Solomon said, my son, 23 times in the Proverbs. My son, my son, my son. Every time he's providing the child with godly instruction. So the child's heart, much more willing to listen, much more willing to obey. And uh, even if the, what is being said is a rebuke or a warning or correction, just much more likely, the parent that was negligent to win their child's heart will experience, I believe, a lot of heartache later on, especially when that child gets into their teens. Okay, yeah. So I believe that whatever you do in the process of what your main objective is, bringing your children up as Christian adults, that that relationship with them, building that relationship, making it strong. Because when they fail, you, don't, uh, you obviously want to be there, but they want you to be there. And then they'll go to you. And um, super important. Um, me and Malia, as my only daughter, and she's kind of a girl. And I wasn't <laughs> raised by a girly girl, and I didn't have any sisters, and I grew up. Um, not having much of an affiliation for girly girls, um, but I got one. And uh, so we spent a lot of time talking about life, and I'm trying to get to know her. I didn't marry a girly girl. And uh, so I want this relationship to be super strong so that when the first dumb boy... uh, whatever they do, uh, she will come to me and say, Daddy, I don't know what this dumb boy is doing talking to me. Uh, will you talk to him? And I want to be the one she goes to. I want her to want me to be there so that I can get involved with all of that. And the same for my boys. But um, the Malia, I think she'll probably keep me up at night more than uh, anybody else. So... So anyway, the relationship, build it, build it, build it, and it'll make life with our kids so much more happy. So there you have a basic exegesis of Ephesians 6:4. Uh, not a lot of super specifics to anything particular. Uh, I probably talked about spanking more than I intended to. Uh, but if I was to talk about anything more, which we'll do in the future, and I hope to get some other people involved, but really building relationships with your kids, um, I think, is absolutely essential. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's coming next for our uh, the subject of family worship, but we'll get it out there. Next week, we're going to go back to our uh, uh, end of the month, uh, last Thursday of the month prayer time together. And uh, so, yeah. So that's what I have. I'm going to let you out early tonight. And um, so let's pray. Go ahead and stand up. Well, Lord, I think that what has been most helpful to me as a parent was, as Isaiah said, here a little, there a little. Line upon line, as the, the people complained about Isaiah, does he intend to teach us like he teaches children? Well, I can use that sometimes, and, uh, and I've appreciated, Lord, every little bit that I've learned from your word. Lord, I've, I'm, I'm so appreciative of all of that I've learned from other families, just observing and, and watching and, and uh, putting my ear to the wall, as it were, and just catching little things that encouraged my heart, that made me a little more intentional about the life of my children, Uh, their life with you, and uh, so, Lord, I, whoever's listening tonight, whether it be the live stream or podcast or just in here, uh, Lord, I pray that something, Lord, would grab a hold of them and uh, they would run with it with diligence, with consistency, and, uh, and, Lord, that they would just build strong relationships with their kids love on them, be a good example to them, and that the relationship between them would be sweet and, uh, yeah, honoring to you. So, Lord, thank you for our time together, and we pray that you're honored. And, Lord, we, we pray for our children, that they would indeed love you and serve you. Lord, bless you guys.